Hello, welcome to my ninth podcast. Cinderella is dead. Chapter 5. The next morning, I was awake before sunrise. My father has already gone for the day. My mother has begun her walk, her work, prepping for breakfast. Dara is rising under a cloth by the wood stove, which she strikes and sets the kettle on. I may join her in the kitchen and tie her apron around my waist. Our mother places a small plate with two biscuits and a sliced apple on the table. She speaks to me over her shoulder and as she turns out a ball of dough in the flour surface on the countertop. The floors will need to be swept and scrubbed, just like always. It's wash day from lying upstairs. Take the rugs out and give them a good beating. Your father might be home early, but we might just go get get it. When he arrives, try to recite the story as much as you can, because I know he'll be tired and he wants to rest. You want me to recite loud? I asked. But is this not what we're supposed to do? It's more of a tradition than a rule. And I haven't done it in a very long time. Yes, my mother says curtly, maybe you're too rusty. When the ball coming up, you want to know it, you want to know it backwards and forward in a case it's just a two suitor wants to test your knowledge. I don't even respond. That's the dumbest thing I ever heard. When new suitors test me, I was strong urge to tell my mother that I'm pretty sure that the man the main government at the castle haven't even read all my story all the way through because no one actually knows it's meant for them. It's meant for for the rest of us. I just nod and put a cloak and start lugging the rugs outside. Would there be really be suitors wanting to test me? And does my father want to hear it? Or my mother just thinking every single way someone wants to trip me up one out the ball. The wife of a wealthy man grew ill and knew her her end was near. I say aloud and I was there in my head, every word and beating the rugs out when I mother opened the front door. A concerned look at her face. Sophia, I need you to get this I need you to see Miss Bassett afraid the ribbons to match your dress at her top. Want her left for your hair. You don't want to go out so clear, look for her first time that morning. These dark circles on her, her eyes that she hadn't slept. No, I'm not feeling very well. I sent Henry to tell Miss Langley's son to be here within the hour to take you. I glanced around to see if Henry is our neighbour. So young son has already left. I can only walk, I say. Well, you can take the cows myself. She shakes her head alone, Sophia. Please, my nerves are already shattered. The officer with your friendships. Was this trying to break the law? It's not law. She plants her foot on a stoop with a stoop on a loud fun. You'd be taken up to the palace in chains if you're caught driving a carriage. And if you got walking alone, you might end up far in a far worse situation. Something in her tone strikes me. 
our emotions are usually tightly coiled and seem to be flying more and more with each passing day. I won't tell her. I've walked through the woods into the city on my own yesterday. She might not survive a shot. Mrs. Yanli's son will be here soon to say he'll be take you or take you. He goes inside and wait inside the yard as scheduled, scrolling up for the dissipating mist. He leans on the gate and gives me a little nod. Morning, he says. He shows me the mysterious smile again. I'm fairly good at reading people, but this this boy is a puzzle. With a curl on his lip and his, his smile, smile, thinking that I'm missing something. When he asks, I nod in front of the wooden cart as we, as we take the market instead of cover the carriage begins to travel. His hauler of snacks again, grain, and a one wide seat in the front. He hits it sit to a horse and climbs up. It's cold, I say, but we should take the carriage. By always, always got this one too ready to go. Don't you think you want to be sitting next to me? Absolutely not. And if you can have ox me beforehand, I wouldn't have to hook you up to the carriage. We didn't, so here we are. He raises an eyebrow. So you want it. You want to show around here, yeah, that's different. Different, I say quietly. Different, that never means anything good. The front door creaks behind open to me. Behind me. Is he giving you trouble? My mouth across in the doorway. I don't look, I don't turn around, but I can feel her eyes born into the back of my head. No problems, Mr. Grimms. Mr. Landy's son, shoot me. Quick wink. And he suspects me a thank you for not telling my mum what I said. I'm sure I'm going to be very disappointed. I climb up, freaking up far away from him. The seat allows. He yanks, he yanks the reins, and I can't let it forward. The temperature stays cool. Even as the sun rises, I pull my cloak tight around me, but the air keeps seeping through. Mr. Landy's son sets the reins on his lap and removes his coat. Here's not so much, but he could help. He places the coat over my shoulders. I yield away from him, watching his hands and his eyes, and I don't even know him enough to trust them. But most times, when a man does a woman a favour, it's because he wants something to in, in return. Am I putting that off, Putin? He raises his arm. And gives a whiff. Do you smell ice? What I smell? I just bathed last week. He's just trying to be funny. Don't respond. My name is Luke. In just in case you're wondering, I know, say flatly. You know, answer before my leaving interviews. But I heard my parents speak of him a little too often. You always speak your mother. She doesn't let you get a bird in edgewise. I'm watching in the corner of my eye. Maybe I don't have much to say. Okay. Grimaces a little. I was surprised your outburst back there in the car, but I never seen a girl refuse a man to quest so openly. That's a dangerous thing that anyone can do. Are you trying to threaten me? I angle my body as I wave my leg and kick him over the side of the car just in case he gets any ideas. The girls are harassed and manhandled in regular faces in the lady. Just because of that, I have a plan what to do. Just in case try, anyone tries to hurt me. Luke makes one more false move. 
I smashed his nose into the skull and maybe kick him if, if when I feel him the most. Not one and grab the reins. And then pull the horse off the road and I flip the cart over. I don't care if I get in the, the process, I'm not going quietly. I wasn't joking and I'm just you either. I'm sorry. He looks at me but he smiles again. He's the amateur is abrasive but not malicious. He, he can't be more than 20 tall and lanky brown skin, black hair, with only slightest hair of importance. Okay, I have a hard time reading him. I keep my body in, in the position of hand him, posting a question as a distraction. Are you preparing the ball? Are you preparing for the ball as well? He tosses his head back and laughs. He catches me off guard. All I can do is stare at him. He composes him himself and shakes his head. Not if I can help it. Things are very different for me. Why, I ask. He lost his son at the bravo and he destroyed the front gate. You must stop. You must stop in the center store. Your friends are Aaron, aren't you? He doesn't want to meet your eyes. The question is our place. I first saw yes. He's one of my best friends. Hmm. Says Nolan. Then you understand what I mean. And things when I say things are different. I know the eyes and look in his eyes are terrifies me. I've seen it before. Look the same look that my mother gives me every time I speak Aaron's name. And when they stop in half of the car, tosses him back to him. Just wait here, please. Sure, he says. I wait his friendly manner starts away for me to get comfortable enough to drop my guard. I hurry the door and off the stop and the shop and look and go in. None of the lamps are lit, lit, lit yet, but a downward from barely risen suns cast shadows through the room. They seemed oddly rest without a seamless and her rustling around. A measuring tape hangs in the edge of the table, dozen of the glass beds, and at least she knocked over. Without, even, without anyone bothering to clean them up. I see the women's. My mom's left behind, sitting on the table in the canvas bag. I pick them up and just women her goes under the table. I step back and look at now he's I see someone sitting there, a young boy. He kneels, calls on his shirt, he walks back and forth. Hello, I say gently. The boy had pokes up from behind the knees. His, room, his, his eyes rim with tears. He's got up with hair and he knows the back of his hand. He's dressed in the pattern to pair of slacks with faded shirts. The size is too small. The sleeves expose his delicate wrist. He seems so fragile. I want to put my arms around him and tell him everything he's going to be okay. Even though I have no idea what's wrong, he sobs again. Oh no, please don't cry. Are you, are you alright? I put my hands out as he goes back, knocking into the leg of the table. Sending more beds on the floor. I won't hurt you, I swear. The angry silence set me on edge. I don't know you. I don't think we met. My name is Sophia. It's time for us to help me with my dress. And I just came to pick this up. I crouched down on the ribbons. His expression softens. Why are you trying? He opens my mouth and speaks. I speaks and hesitates. Then he scoots closer. And so his 
it's almost out of the table. He's so loud. He's puffing, he's cupping his hands over his ears and shining his eyes. Who's so loud? I confused. A man's voice, shrill, grating echoes and song over my head. Heavy steps pound across the upstairs room. I look at the entire structure of the house. High structure quakes. Tree full of wooden barns. Crossings and ceiling. All the stars. It's the shadowy files of the shop. It sounds like fine powder on the table or chairs. I fight it back and I just pick up the body and bought out from the door. The boy lowers his hands, his eyes wide. Father, he's yelling at my mother and he's always yelling at her. The light screaming through the, the shop windows illuminated the boy's face. He was nearly identical or seamless. They share the, the same brown skin, dark eyes and dimples at the outer corners of her mouth. A loud crash followed through a woman's screams and momentary silence. I stand up and the boys goes back. I look out in the front window. I see Luke still perched at the car. What a man does in the time is his own business. That will. I should leave, but I can't do that. You, sh- you you, just stay here, alright? I say. Okay, he answers under the table. I creep near the shop where the staircase leads up to the front, second floor. I put my hand on the rail and listen. The silence that's almost unbearable as a woman screams. I top over the stairway to the door and stop like screams. Screams underneath it. A stairwell is dark and shadowy. There was thin shafts in light of the room illuminating with dust on the floating head. I take one step up. I don't know when I'll do get back the top knot, call out. I don't even know what's happening. The man's voice sounds again. At this time I hear the words clearly. You take the money from me, haven't you? He bellows. Even a woman's voice. No, I would never. Every cent belongs to me. I had a loud thump. It's like someone whining through the door at the top of the stairs and the doors creak open a few inches. I step from the landing and peek inside. I know that I, I swear, I work hard. I've seen this scours against the wall and the small upstairs room tears and stains their face. Our mother stands over here, his fist clenched, and then why is it? There's no money in the pouch. And why do you even bother? You're just a terrorist and you're trying to keep all the money for yourself. He slings the pouch at her and breaks it open, sending her shower coins sinking into the floor. Everyone's having a bad time, woman says. The king attacks you so steeply that we can scarcely afford a grain. Others are suffering too, but they're trying to make the other girls ready for the war. That is when I can afford to give. That every red cent I can spare it. You take what they can afford to give. while you some type of charity? He raises his fist, and a woman winces like he's always struck her. I put my hand at the door, and a floorboard groans under my weight. I quince as the man's head whips around. He's short and rocky, and his hands are massive. I'm looking for centers. 
I say, trying to keep my voice from crackling. Who the hell are you? He sticks, he sticks his neck and glares at me. Her mother parts the sun with ribbons and then left them here. Can you help me find them? I look directly to samplers and suck the women out of sight. Who could I could appreciate it? The man steps in front of the woman, blocking my view. I scowl at him. Watch yourself. I send you out of the palace before you forfeit. The man slaps. You can do it. The head of my household could. And then the only person can disagree with my mother head of the household. Money, power, class, all those things come to play. But at the founding net of my lords, that is women. No matter standing there, the mercy flickings of men, that's how little control I have over my life. I continue to glare at them as the gap shuffles as John in the room. A sense scrambles to his feet. He comes rushing out to the door, swiping out my eyes. Your son grabs me on the elbow. It leads me on the main room of the workshop. How to cleanse my finish my sentence. She bends down and pulls the boy under the table, wraps her arms around him, and while glancing nervously about toward the back staircase, her son melts into her, grasping her tightly, sobbing, her tears well into my eyes. And I have a hard time figuring out if my anger is a complete heartbreak or selfless as soon as, I, as her son trying to get a better of me. Santos gently nuzzles her nose into his hair. She spots a bag of ribbons at my hand. I see you found your missing weapons. I'm glad you remembered to pick them up. You look so lovely. And I've seen what happened to the well on the sheet. The tone would convince me nothing is amiss. I didn't mean to intrude, or maybe I did. I saw your son heard in the husband upstairs. The woman body tenses as she's trying to embrace what she's trying to, what am I saying next? She stands, putting the son with her saying his clothes. He looks no more seven or eight years old, but the, the bags on his eyes have brought off his child. He's seen too much. She kisses him and pushes all of the points toward the room directly to the main work area. You have to go get something to eat. Breakfast on the table. She smiles at him. And she looks up the stairs and nods. He embraces her again. She looks down at the boy. Papa knows best, my love. You'll be growing up to a good, good man, I suppose. Just like him, he doesn't smile oh, as he disappears from the other room. Sampus face stains her out of dress, avoiding my gaze. As I escapes me, Sampus glasses over. Don't pity us, please. That isn't what we need. What do you need? I just step toward her. You don't mean I could, I could? What do you could? The woman laughs. Oh, you poor thing. One of those girls who thinks there's a way out, aren't you? Now something will come along and then they try to make everything better. She sighs and shakes her head. It's like she's angry. I wish you were there. I swear you do. I wish you could run and hide. But I, will never, I swear I'll never work. Her voice is too low. Arthur leaning and Close to understand, nothing can be done, not a damn thing. I want, everything, I want everyone to believe that there might be a way out. But every passing day, that feeling fades. I wonder when this woman will ever give up hoping. 
You got your weapons, and I got work to do. You'll be the best of. I hesitate. You see more than this. You all do. And the woman pauses. I see a small cut over her eye. Her lips part, and the birds are saying something. We souls back. Please go. That was part. That was part nine of my podcast. Yeah.